Live from the Dragon's Lair at the Kalispell, Montana headquarters of Falcor Defense, this is Behind the Flame. Folks, welcome to today's episode. We know we've been gone for about a week for the live shows, and today we've got an awesome episode for you. Longtime supporter of Falcor Defense, good friend of the owners and John, and all of us here. We have Branch Warren in-house, legendary bodybuilder. His, his, his reputation and career precedes him. I'm not going to give him the, the intro. John's going to do that for Branch. I'm going to clear up some housekeeping things before we get started. Today's episode is brought to you by our awesome sponsors, Kenzie's Optics, 221B Tactical, Mark Bell Slingshot, Bang Energy, Taurus USA, and the awesome Chick-fil-A Kalispell. <coughs> As usual for the episode today, folks, we are doing a giveaway, and this week we are doing a Raging Bull 454 Casul-44 Mag Revolver from Taurus, and of course a Falcor Swag Pack. To enter the giveaway, if you already love to say review on the iTunes podcast app, that is how you're going to get into it. Uh, drop a review in there for us, preferably five stars, along with your Instagram handle, and we'll pick a winner this afternoon. Austin and I will be live on Instagram for that. So without any further ado, let me hand it over to our host, John Bartolo. Thank you, Sam. I'm going to go around the horn like I always do with everybody in here. <coughs> I want to thank Austin Web Designs. He's taking over a lot of the production here. He's doing good. Awesome. He, yeah. He's fresh back from vacation. I'm excited to have him back. Of course, we have Scummins with the announcements, Rebel Scummins. We also have Noah here, Where's visiting Noah? from Wiseman Company. And fresh out of PA, he got in at midnight last night. My house guest. Haley J. Photo, wearing normal pants today. She didn't comb her hair, but she's wearing normal pants. <laughs> she looks like she jumped out of a hamper. No, I'm kidding. And of course, Candace, Rogue One, in the house. And uh, Daisy. Daisy. I'd shout out Derek, but Daisy's the star. <laughs> so excited to have everybody in here. Uh, I'm sure Melinda and Jason will be joining us. Uh, I want to thank them for paying the bills and keeping the lights on. Uh, they're on a coffee run. They'll be right back. And uh, I know Branch could use the coffee. But without further ado, I'm super excited to have not just a guest. Uh, I know I do this a lot with a lot of the folks in, as, as you guys have heard on the, on the YouTube and on the podcast. Um, this is a friend. This is a real friend. Branch talked for a minute next door about what real friends are, and, and this is a guy who's been through a lot with me the last uh, three or four or five years now, and um, it's at least three years plus. So, um, you know, I really value his friendship. I'm not going to get into his accomplishments because they're noted and stated. Um, he's been out there. He's done, you know, a million different things in multiple communities. And uh, his fan base precedes him in terms of the people he's reached, influenced, and gotten into strength training and everything in between. So I'm really excited to have him. He's had the tour multiple times. He's a friend of the Falcor family. He's been in the building. He shot the rifles. You'll never meet a guy with more um, understanding of how this company ticks probably on this show. He knows all the good, bad, and the ugly, and we'll get into, into some of that. And we're going to get into a lot of the personal stuff. And we spend a lot of time chatting with the team across the hall, which we, we do. So I, I'm, I'm going to you know turn it over to Branch. I'm excited to have you, and I can't thank you enough for coming. Well, man, thank you for having me out. So uh, you know I love Montana. When, uh, one day, me and Trish, if we ever leave Texas, we're coming to Montana. So it's God's country, you know. So we got uh, some room for you here. Yeah. So uh, I love it here, man. So thank you for having me out again. And uh, now, but guess how long we know each other? Three, four, five years. You were saying? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 three plus now. I would imagine, right? So you know, I'll tell you this little story how I met this guy. So actually, uh, Trish was uh, my wife was on uh, Instagram and she saw this guy 
two guys on Instagram post, you know, wearing all this tactical gear, and uh, this guy's got a sledgehammer, you know, beating a tire with it, you know, beating the crap out of this tire with the sledgehammer, where he's got a branch horn T-shirt on. I'm like, that's a cool dude. I like that dude. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> the two guys in the post were John and then Tony Sentiment. And uh, I guess they were out doing a, doing a training course or something. So uh, I think we reached out, sent him a, a message, DM or something through Instagram, and uh, invited him to the Arnold Classic that year I was competing in, which actually turned out to be my last, uh, my last competition. And uh, the rest is history. And how the hell did we become friends? Why, why where the hell would you be my friend? I mean, of I all ask, the people I ask, myself, I ask myself that every day. You're not, you're <laughs> not, John, you're not nearly cool enough to be Seriously. Um, no, I, I mean, you, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really told him this or shared this. Uh, I was always a fan, I, I guess, but I'm not uh, a fan boy. You know, I'm not someone who gets starstruck. Uh, I always admired his work ethic and what he put into things and, and the effort that he put forth in, in anything that he did. Um, I kind of kind of watched from afar. I wasn't, you know, I think Branch knows me well enough to know I'm not, I'm not a guy who gets starstruck. I'm like, ooh, you know, let me take a picture. I don't even think I asked him for a picture for a while. Uh, well, just, I would have told you no. <laughs> I think we just happened to take we a couple. We talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> but along the way, we, we became, you know, very close friends. I think we, we, we chat almost every day, so... His friendship's been enormous for me in terms of growth and achieving kind of the, the, some of the, the places I've reached, and I, I don't think I could have done it without him and without his, you know, we've had a lot of those talks, you know, keeping my feet on the ground, so I can't thank you enough for that. Um, let's dive right in as we always do, you know, we, we always do this with guests. Um, you know, you have such a rich history, it's hard for me to say, tell me how you got here like I do with some guests, but... Um, let's start with kind of, um, you, you know, what is, tell, talk a lot about, you know, your journey in hunting and fishing and, and what makes you the outdoorsman that you are. Well, I grew up in uh, northwest Texas, so I grew up on a cattle ranch, and, um, you know, I think our closest uh, neighbor was about eight miles away. So, um, you know, there was two things to do out there. You hunt, you fished, and you drink beer. So, <laughs> You know, and so I was a young boy, too young to drink beer. So uh, my father started taking me with him hunting when I was five years old. And uh, when I was seven years old, he bought me my first uh, first gun, and uh, I started hunting. So I went from, I started off hunting, you know, small game, dove, quail, squirrels, rabbits, things like that. And then uh, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to, you know, I told my dad, I said, hey, I want to hunt deer. And um, he said, well, you better go get a rifle. I was like, well, can I use one of yours? You've got a whole closet full. He's like, go get your own rifle. You want to hunt deer? You want to just buy your own rifle? I'm thinking I got no money, so uh, <laughs> how am I going to do this? So he goes, well, "You better go to work, save your money." And um, so I remember I worked all summer, saved up enough money, and I bought my first uh, first deer rifle. And uh, I still have that rifle. What was it? What is it? Um, mm. It was a Winchester Model 94 3030. So, solid. Uh, solid. So uh, and, how much was it? Is the better yeah, question. How much you pay? I paid 183 dollars and 93 cents. <laughs> I don't believe that that's exa- is that really the that's exactly the price. Do you remember the exact price? It's absolutely, because you don't know how hard I worked hauling hay, Fuck yeah, man. building that's awesome. fence to earn that money to, to buy it. So in one box of ammo. Yeah, yeah, you didn't waste bullets, man, because that shit was expensive. So, uh, and um, but you remember that you know when you're that young that's to cool. save up that much money, and you know I worked my ass off all summer, and uh, I still have that rifle. So maybe one day if I I'll pass it on to my daughter or my son. So, um, or pass it on to a good friend that you made in the last. 
three, four years. You know, you you don't know what a Winchester knife or even is. <laughs> so you know, it, it, it's funny because the Texas thing comes up a lot. We, we had a couple guests on from Texas where it's such. It's so burned into your soul to, to be a part of the outdoors and a part of that, that hunting community. Um, well, Texas the, Texas yeah. is different. If you ain't from there, it's hard to understand it. But Texas is the uh, best place on the planet, man, period. Right. So, and if you're not born there, you don't understand that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, when you come from Texas, you're born and raised there, it's, uh, it's just a different, different deal. Different deal. So, you know, you, you get into the hunting and fishing, and you're doing that at a young age, and along the way comes the bodybuilding and comes the fitness and you managed to to kind of be one of the guys I admired because you were always bridging those two worlds long before myself or even you know I would say uh Tony and some of us were, were talking about it but you were on the hunting side so a lot of people didn't realize when you you dove into this and you've been seen around the firearms world and and doing some stuff and some ad campaigns and even Phil was recently in the silencer co-ad that you had done this for so long. You had such a rich history of doing it. Now, I started, like I said, I started hunting when I was five years old. Got my first weapon and, uh, when I was seven. And I grew up deer hunting, hunting basically anything that, if it walked, swam, crawled, flew, I hunted it. And, uh, you know, because we hunted it for food growing up. And, uh, that's a, you know, wild game was a, definitely a part of our diet. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I've been involved in the hunting industry for my whole life. You know, I, had a, I was on a TV show for five years on the outdoor channel called The Hit List. Myself, Chad Ritter, Gerald Swindle, Andy Morgan, we were all on there and uh, had a great time with those guys. Got to travel around, you know, after the Olympia was over every, every year, then uh, I dedicated the next four or five weeks of the year to, to hunting. So I had a great time with those guys and, uh, you know, I got to, got to hunt some of the best deer hunting in the country and uh, it was a great time. And so You know, what's funny is so a lot did, of, yeah. moving, you know, when I hooked up with you guys and, you know, met Jason Melinda here at Falcor, it was just a natural progression into something that... Uh, you know, it, it's easy to represent something that you truly love and you're passionate about. So that's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people out there, when they started seeing you pop up again, you know, I know you, you had focused on your career in the middle there for a couple of years because you were at the top of your game and you kind of dove back in. You know, people didn't realize how much involvement you had in that hunting community and with the NRA and, and you know, I mean... You, you walk around and you know some of those guys like Colleone and, and some of those dudes that, that you've rubbed elbows with. Yeah, he's not new to this. He's not new to this. And there were people that kind of chimed in and were like, oh, you know, he's just a bodybuilder with a gun. And I'm like, no. But yeah. what's wrong with a bodybuilder with a gun? Not what's a damn a, thing. Not anything, right? So, I mean, I, I think anybody is welcome into the, the 2A community. You know, I think that transcends race, religion, ethnicity, everything. So um, everybody's welcome. So what's wrong with that? You know, people, I hear people say that, oh, bodybuilder with a gun. Well, yeah, I like to hunt, and I like to fish, and I like to shoot. So what's wrong with that? Do you think there's a stigma that comes along with being in shape? I'd rather be in shape than be a, some fat ass with a 50-inch waist. You know? Amen. Right. So, um, I mean, but, you know, to each his own. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with being in shape and being fit. You know, um, I live my passion. You know, my dream was to be a professional bodybuilder, and um, I got to live my dream, you know, through a lot of hard work, and uh, God blessed me. So um, I was able to live my dream for almost 20 years. I'm still living my dream. Do you think that stigma exists in the gun community because people feel like, oh, I got a concealed carry permit, so, you know, I can just look like shit? It doesn't matter. I don't it's have a to be trained. talisman of protection. Yeah. That, I don't know. You know, it's not everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. I get that. You know, I, I promote several fitness shows and uh, expos across the country, and uh, there's many different divisions because not everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. We have CrossFit. You know, we have powerlifting, strongman. We have, uh, 
many different sports and not everybody wants to do that. So that's cool. But I do think everybody needs to exercise, you know, exercising and staying, maintaining a certain level of physical fitness has so many benefits uh, health wise and mentally, emotionally to just being in shape. So uh, I think I encourage everyone to do something, whether it's running, swimming, lifting weights, whatever it is. And do something to stay active, stay in shape. We, we talked a lot in the other room about the mental toughness. You get your hand in so many things, Branch. Why, why don't, you know, I, I mean, there's so many routes we can go talking about stuff. Why don't you give the listeners and the viewers some insight into, into what you get your hands in today and what you got going on? Well, the biggest thing I get going on right now is wicked cuts. So um, one bite, and you'll agree, it's the best damn jerky you've ever had. So uh, we've got seven flavors. We've got three beef uh, Two turkey, two bacon. If you haven't had bacon jerky, the maple bacon jerky is like the best tasting stuff ever. It's I like, can vouch for that. Yeah, no bullshit. It's, it's awesome. It's so good, it'll make you want to slap your mama. Mm. So, uh, Did you bring any? I did, but it's not on the table. I know. I'm but, a little uh, upset I would have had it. Because I know you'd already ate it. So, <laughs> but, uh, so um, my partner, Scott James, who was uh, the founder of BSN back in the day, uh, we started this here. This uh, We just launched about six, seven months ago, going very well. Um, in addition to that, I've got uh, Gasp clothing, sportswear. I've been with these guys for 11 years now. They were out of uh, Stockholm. So they came to North America five, six years ago. So I've uh, been in, got my own clothing line through those guys. Then um, what else do I got going on? Um, I've got s- several fitness expos that I mentioned, bodybuilding mm-hmm. competitions, expos. and. What I've are some of the states? Houston. I've got Houston, Dallas, yeah. uh, Minneapolis. And then we had one in Chicago this year. First time we had one in Chicago. So I'm potentially going to expand to South America next year. Um, we're trying to work out the details now. Maybe uh, Chile, uh, Argentina, and uh, Paraguay possibly next year. Ooh. So, and these are, I've actually, for, for those of the viewers out there, more like me, that have never been to a fitness expo or aren't ingrained in that community, it's more, it's a, it's a fitness competition portion and like an expo for brands to come out and. and correct. We, uh, like in Houston, uh, you know, we have an expo. We have fitness related companies, uh, actually, Falcourt Defense. I uh, had a lot of 2A community. Yeah, we had Jacob know, down there. I think yeah, 2A there, community yeah. Um, companies that were down there. Uh, you know, it's uh, anything uh, fitness-related we have. Uh, That's club. becoming a bit of yeah, an outdoorsy show, Yeah, so it's, it's for anyone to go too. to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's for well, anyone it's, to go to and check out. It's a perfect fit, man. It's Texas, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a perfect fit. We kind of blend the two worlds. But, you know, we have uh, 11 other events. We have, of course, a bodybuilding show, fitness figure, bikini show, CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Uh, arm wrestling tournament. We have midget wrestling. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, I do. The I bomb. Do, yeah. That is the best. So that's my favorite. And uh, those are good. And um, I can't name all. I can't miss a few of them. But we have a, a big variety of uh, different activities and sports. So there's something for everybody. And, uh, you know, I just want people to come out. It's a family event. Come out. And, uh, you know, I guarantee you everybody will find something there that motivates them. And, uh, you know, I just hope to provide a platform where athletes can come, have fun, compete. And then the spectators can come and watch their friends, family, loved ones. And then maybe, uh, they get motivated to get out and better themselves, too. That's awesome, man. Now, the answer may be obvious, but I'm going to ask it. Why jerky? What made you choose jerky? Well, I guess the story on that goes, uh, like I said, Scott, my partner, was a uh, owner of BSN. And um, he, uh, he sold the company several years back. And um, we, I knew Scott from you know, the BSN days. And you two had always wanted to work together. We'd always wanted to work together. We'd said that several times. And... Uh, you know, he said, hey, I want to let's get, get, get together and do something. So I assumed he wanted to do another supplement company. And um, we started talking. And he said, hey, what do you think about doing jerky? I'm like, jerky? Uh, at first I thought about it. I was like, <laughs> I don't know much about jerky. I know I like it, but other than that. And uh, you know, we started thinking about it. We talked about it. And you started I'm, thinking you're going to be making it in the fucking kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I'm like, I don't even think about cooking jerky. So um, 
But um, I can tell you what I like and what I don't like. But the more I looked into it, you know, I was like, you know what? This could be really good because it fits into my whole fitness background. Uh, you know, beef jerky's, you know, keto friendly. Most of the flavors are, not all of them, but uh, it's healthy. And, um, you know, with the fitness supplement market, you know, I've got, a, that's another thing I've got going on. I've got my own line of supplements, you know, nutritional bodybuilding supplements uh, through Blacksco USA. And uh, we're in South America, Europe, and the Middle East. And then, you know, the jerky thing kind of complements that. Plus, beef jerky appeals to everybody, you know, not just uh, fitness athletes, you know. Anybody, everybody, any and everybody likes beef jerky unless they're a vegan. So, um, you know, instead of marketing it to like four or five percent of the population with the fitness supplements, you know, you're marketing it to probably ninety percent of the population. You know, so it's a lot more potential there, and uh, it's a new challenge which I really like. I'm not afraid to step into a new arena and uh, learn something new. So um, I just took all that dedication and discipline that I learned through through bodybuilding and apply that in business so it's going very well and you got deep deep involved in the process of it um a lot of people don't realize this you were down there um checking out the refinement and the finishing product and and you know you you had a huge say in what it was that was going into the packaging and yeah this is this is not just my name on i actually own the company and um you know um like the original that's a that's a family recipe mm -hmm. that passed down from you know my my grandfather's you know pass it down to us through generation to generation so you know, that's a family recipe, and I had a big say-so on all the, uh, all the development. And, um, you know, from the writing on the back, which I wrote myself, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yes, bodybuilders can read and write. But, um, you know, I'm very much involved in the company on a day-to-day -day basis. We go in the office every day, and so I'm there slugging it out. That's what you're doing. Yeah. That's so. badass. And, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you touched on something we'll come back to, you know, seeing that merger between health and fitness and productivity and shooting and hunting. And that's something that's a common theme with, with you, with me, with Tony, and with a lot of guys out there. And, um, you know, you're seeing a huge divide in the 2A industry between those two worlds. You, you know, some people are just, you know, fighting. the. And I use the term training. Training's always been a huge part of Falcor. It's always been you know, a big part of, of ingrained into us. But, you know, we'll come back to that. But we were talking a lot in the other room about what it takes to be successful. And I see some questions coming in saying, you know, um, what a businessman you are and this and that. I don't think people realize, you know, Branch says this all the time, three, four years before he retired, he was building his exit strategy. And you are officially retired now. And you know, he was building these building blocks of business. And I don't think everybody realizes out there how much you can learn. I mean, we went right up to the bell in that other room talking about what it takes to be successful, what it takes to be a champion. And I, I want you to share with everybody a little bit what you feel your, your formula is to be successful. And you talked a lot about, you know, success and, and, and dedication and the hard work that it takes. What are your kind of three bullet points you give people? I don't know if it's three, but what are your bullet points that you give folks out there to, to get on that path? You know, if, speaking from a sports uh, perspective, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, basketball, football, bodybuilding, track, field, cycling, swimming, whatever. Um, the first thing you have to have, you have to have the genetics to enable you to have the potential to do the sport. Um, you know, if I want to be an NBA basketball player at five foot seven, not going to happen. You know, let's just be realistic here. Uh, and I knew that early on. So um, you got to have the genetics to do the sport that you want to do. Now, if you have the genetics, that doesn't ensure you're going to be successful. Through hard work, dedication, and busting your ass every day, then you develop the ability to be successful in that sport. And then you got to have heart. You know, everybody has setbacks, man. You have injuries. 
you have defeats, you have many things that can come your way, but a true champion just has something in them that you can't teach, you can't coach it, you have it or you don't. And I had many injuries through my career, I had many setbacks, I suffered some defeats that really stung. But uh, I'll, I would just go right back to the gym and I'll start working to fix whatever I need to fix, overcome what I need to come and come back and win. You know, every, uh, I learned more from every defeat I had than I did from any victory I ever had. Um, every time I lost a major competition, it's because I did something wrong or I needed to improve something. So um, I went back and I fixed whatever I needed to fix. You know, I, I studied my nutrition better. I, I trained harder. I did whatever I needed to do to fix what I needed to fix so I'd come back and win. You know, I've had many injuries through the years and uh, I came back from every injury and won, you know, because I refused. I was not going to let anybody or anything or any event dictate to me who I was going to be or when I was going to be done. I was going to be the one who decided when I was done and nothing else was going to, you know, dictate who or what I was going to be. I was going to decide that. And um, that's just the heart of a champion. And I've known a lot of uh, successful athletes, you know, from MMA guys to NFL players to uh, professional baseball players. And um, they all have the same thing. And it's, um, I don't think you can coach it. I don't think you can teach it. I think you just have it or you don't. And, um, you know, it's a rare combination. You get somebody with the genetics, the heart, and that dedication, discipline, and drive, you know, to succeed. And uh, when you have that, that's when you get a champion. You get something that uh, they're special. No one else has it. What about outside of the athletic space? Just the, the average guy watching right now that just says, geez, you know, I really enjoy fitness. I, maybe I'm a little further along. Maybe I don't have the genetics, but I want to be successful in business and in life. What, what do you feel those key ingredients are? You've got to have some common sense. I think common sense is a, one of the most important things you can have in life. Um, and that's a little bit different. You know, when I say common sense, that's different than, you know, book smart or having a degree, you know. You still have common sense and be book smart too, but you gotta have common sense to be successful in business. And then uh, it's all the same things that uh, makes you successful as an athlete. You gotta have discipline, self-discipline, and you gotta have that drive to uh, to push ahead and be successful. You know, business is hard, man. You have setbacks just like you do in athletics, and um, you know you can't be afraid to fail. I think that's the biggest thing that scares a lot of people off from business is they're afraid to fail. And um, no one's ever done anything great in business without risking something. And um, I think so. Don't be afraid to fail. If you fail, what's the worst that happened? You fail. You pick yourself up, you get back up, and you try again. And, um, you know, you got you to have some common sense, you know. Don't, um, don't try to reinvent the wheel. You know, have common sense about whatever it is you get into and uh, how you go about, have a sound plan, and follow through with it. I think that's great advice, and I don't think people simplify it enough to that point where you just say, hey, be smart, make smart decisions common sense, you know, analyze slow and make the right decision on any decision. Play chess, not checkers. Yeah, you got to think it out. Don't rush into something without thinking it out. I think a lot of guys have uh, some great ideas, but they rush into it without thinking it through and having a solid plan, and uh, they fail. And not because they're, they had a great idea, they just didn't, uh, didn't follow through with it. What do you think of social media? It's here to stay. Um, I know, you've, I know you, you've gone through the gamut, and I know, you know you've listened to me, my rants, and we've debated it, and I know Trish helps you a lot with it, but, but you, know, I, you know, like we talked a lot about like even Instagram, you got into that game a little late. What are your thoughts on it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and how does, just what do you think in general, like where it's going? Um, first of all, you know, I've got a lot of, I'm very active on social media, you know, Wicked Cuts, 
you know, we do most of our business is direct to consumer. Um, we're starting to switch more to, you know, retail. But uh, thank God my wife had the foresight <laughs> to build social media. You know, I've got almost three million followers on Facebook, and we love you, Trish. You know, and eight hundred, almost eight hundred thousand on Instagram. And I give my wife mad credit for that because when social media first came out, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. I'm like, I'm not going to go around taking selfies of myself and worrying about getting likes or whatever. This is stupid. And, um, but, you know, she had the foresight to see how valuable it was, and thank God she did. Now I'm much more supportive of, of it, and um, I, I deal with social media every day with my businesses, but um, that's kind of how business is done these days, for better or for worse. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I think it really has some really good aspects to it, and I think there's some negative aspects to it too, you know. Um, I think, you know, anybody can post anything. So, you know, we get hit with the fake news stuff or, you know, derogatory things about people and that are not, not nice and sometimes not true. But on the flip side of it, you know, as a company, I can project I'm in control of my media. You know, for Wicked Cuts, I put, it the image, I put out there what, how, what and how I want to put out and advertise the way I want to do it. And um, I can do it right from my desk without having to hire an advertising firm or, you know, taking ads out in magazines, doing old school stuff. Do you, do you feel like it's helped, it's made people lose that basic sense, though, of connection and networking and the ability to have that, some of those basic human interactions? And, you know, I know, um, you know, people lose a little of that. Like, they, they, it's almost like created a social awkwardness with a lot of folks. Yeah, some people are addicted to it. I mean, they, yep. I mean you, you go to a restaurant, sit down, look at people. You can have four people sitting at a table in a restaurant. No one is talking to each other. They all got their phones out on social media. They're texting or they're on social media or they're doing whatever. And uh, I see that all the time and I just crack up, you know. I'm like, wow, these people don't even, they're at their dinner together and they don't even talk to each other. They're on their phones. So um, it's definitely changed, our, uh, changed the world that we live in. So you've had the tour. You've been, you know, affiliated with the brand for a while now, a couple of years. And you've grown close, obviously, with Melinda and Jason. You know, I had the opportunity to introduce you guys a while back. And it was a friendship that grew from there. You've taken vacations together. You've, you've kind of learned how the company ticks a little. Um, what do you think of Falcor and what do you think of the evolution of it? And you've seen kind of my ascension here a little bit. Um, what do you think of where it is and where it was and where it's going? I think they're a very innovative, cutting-edge brand. Um, you know, um, my background was hunting. And, uh, you know, I got into precision, long-range rifle shooting years and years ago, and, um, you know, bolt-action rifles are always inherently, in my opinion, more accurate than gas guns. Uh, I think the first time I sat down and shot the Petra, I was very impressed. It was, uh, it was stand up to any bolt gun I'd ever shot. So, um, with the, you know, the right person behind it and, uh, quality ammunition, and I was very impressed, and, um, you know, I took it out, and, um, at first, after I had it for a couple months, went deer hunting, and, um, I shot a deer at over 1,800 yards with it. And, um, excuse me, not 18, um, I had a target at 1,800 yards with it, and I shot a deer at 1,203 yards and um, from an AR-style rifle, chambered a 300 wind mag. So um, I was very impressed with it, man, and, uh, you know, with the new new technologies you guys incorporating, you know, from the carbon fiber barrels to now the Dracos barrels, and um, very impressed with it, man. It made me a believer. So the brand and the, the direction and just kind of everything we're doing, um, you know, I think it goes without saying it's, it's been an honor to have you involved with it. It's been an honor to have you, you know, support it and support everything that we do here. And some of the new rifles we're coming out with, the standard, the standard pistol, trying to move in that direction. Um, what do you think? 
I think it's definitely going in the right direction, you know. Um, I think that uh, the AR market is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably the biggest market in the in the country now, right? Oh, it's or the most common. Most, most common, common, yeah, there's no doubt. So um, I think you're definitely going in the right direction. I think, uh, you know, Falcor is, um, in my opinion, it's the Ferrari of the uh, AR companies. You know, it's, um, it's at the, you know, you're paying a premium for it, but you're getting what you pay for. You know, you're not going to get anything that's any better. So, um, you know, you want a super accurate, reliable rifle with some cutting edge technology in it that works, then Falcor is your, Falcor is your brand. Well, we appreciate got that. got a similar comment yeah. from Clint Hansen. You know, he's, he's, he's seen a lot of different rival companies and how they build their stuff. I'm not saying that we have some sort of specific secret sauce we're hiding from people, but there is a level of care that's put into the assembly processes we have in place for these guns that ensures you're getting the absolute best thing we could possibly put out there. We have a fantastic guy in Eric, our shipping and receiving uh, manager, who has eyes on every single gun before it leaves the, the facility. He's the last person to touch it, and he's got a really, really particular way of going over it very specifically so you're getting a consistent product every time it's not it's not cherry-picked guns that that branch are shooting the gun that you buy at your local dealer from Falcor is the same gun that he's getting it shows you know um give you a story brian dobson mm. who, uh, you know owns metroflex gym and trained uh you know ronnie coleman myself and uh, many many other champions he uh you know he's old school he kind of with a pre-64 winchester 30 out six that uh, we call smoothbore. He shot it so much the rifle was out of the barrel, <laughs> and uh, but the damn thing still shot like really good. And uh, you know, that's just that's what he shot it hunted everything with, from deer to wild hogs to elk to whatever bears, whatever. That was what he hunted with. And uh, you know, um, so after he shot that Petra, he went out and bought one from you guys, mm -hmm. and uh, he's hunting with it now. So that says something. You take a man who's hunted for fifty something years and convert him over, and then Chad, who was anti-gas gun, oh yeah, anti. You know, AR is a piece of crap. I don't know. Now he has one, and then all of his buddies have went out and bought some. <laughs> I think I think they've got so five or six Petras to all of his buddies who all had the same opinion of them before they shot, until they shot the Petra. So, uh, you know, if you can take somebody like Brian and and can change his mind, then uh, that says something. And Texas has been a great state for Falcor, and we've we've had you know uh, your home dealer up here, DFW Shooting Sports, and. Some of the guys from from down that way, you know, have been obviously huge supporters of the brand, and we love that state. So hats off to the great state of Texas. They've been great to us. And we can't, I always say it in every meeting, we can't spend enough time in Texas. We really can't. We could be in that state for three weeks a year, and it wouldn't be enough time, you know, to market and to spend time with the guys and get feedback. And, you know, feedback's really important to me because I'm no expert. I'm the first to say that. So getting feedback from folks that are out there using the firearms, traveling, uh, participating in the shooting sports is always paramount to me. And what a lot of people don't realize is part of this podcast is having folks in and getting that feedback and getting that understanding. I want to thank everyone for the questions coming in on YouTube. I'm doing my best to, to kind of scan them. So. so I was going to tell you a real story yeah. real quick. You asked me about how I got started. Mm. And, uh, I didn't get around to kind of finishing up. So I grew up in West Texas, north, Northwest Texas, and a cattle ranch. And uh, like I said, our closest neighbor was eight miles away. And uh, my best friend was a dog. And... Um, but, you know, you grow up like that. That's where you're from. You think everybody grows like that. So, it's, you know, you don't think nothing of it. But uh, when I was in, uh, you know, we had a football team, but we barely had enough guys to have a team. So you didn't have to make the team because we, everybody that tried out made the team because we needed everybody we had just to have a team. So uh, when I was in high school, we moved to the Fort Worth area and uh, went from a school where the two best-looking girls in my school were my cousins <laughs> to, uh, to a school where, <laughs> to a school where um, you know, we had you know, five, 600 people just in my grade. So it was a huge high school. And um, 
and I knew I needed to make. I wasn't stupid. I was like, man, if I'm gonna make the football team, I want to get bigger, stronger, work out, do something, have a chance of making the team. So, um, you know, we didn't have any money. I was poor, and um, I met this kid in the neighborhood. He had a gym membership, so um, he we go to the gym. He'd open the back door, I'd slip in, I'd work out, and uh, we didn't know what we we're doing. You know, we're just young kids, 14, 15 years old, and um, just doing whatever. And, flexing uh, in the mirror. Mm. Matt, we didn't really do too much flexing in the mirror, but we were actually, you know, we actually trained. We we trained hard. We just didn't know what we're doing. Nice. It's like, you know, you're, you're working hard trying to build something, but you don't have a clue how to build it. Yeah. But uh, that was us. And um, there was a bodybuilder there. First time I'd actually seen a bodybuilder. And um, this guy was like 280, 290 pounds. And, um, you know, it was like a cartoon character. And I, I remember the first bodybuilder I ever met. Same, same reaction. And uh, I'm like, wow, I didn't know a guy could look like that. And, uh, of course, you know, we thought this guy was cool, man. He had a Corvette. Uh, had a different girl every week. They were all hot. And, um, you know, we're like, well, he's, you know, you're 15 years old. You're like, oh, that dude's cool. So, of course, he's stronger than the strongest person we've ever seen. And um, he came up to me one day in the gym that summer and said, hey, kid, why don't you show up tomorrow and I'll show you how to work out right. He goes, you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get hurt. I'm like, all right. So um, he walks off. My friend goes, you're going to show up? I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to show up. He's I like, think you said the same thing to me. He goes, um, no, I can't say what I said about you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I go, man, I go, whatever. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up and get buff, bro. I said, I'm going to get all the chicks and I'm going to kick your ass. And uh, he's like, whatever. So uh, I showed up the next day, and this dude annihilated me, right? So um, I threw up like three times, came back the next day, kind of repeated the first day, but I just kept coming back. And uh, so this guy, uh, he showed me how to train, how to train, train hard, and uh, train properly. And, uh, you know, I gained, I think that summer, like 20 pounds, just halfway eating, right, and training. Made the football team, started. And um, fast forward a year, the next summer I'm back in the gym again training. And he says, uh, hey, you ever think about competing? And I'm like, man, you're out of your mind. So I'm, you know, 16, 17 years old at this point. And um, he, uh, he goes, well, why don't you come to the show and check it out? Let's check out the junior division. So he takes me to the show that weekend. I look at it. I look at the junior division. I'm like, you know what? If I train all summer, I could do this. And he's, all right, I'm going to take you to a real gym. Monday morning, he picks me up. We drive across town. We pull up in this parking lot. You know, it's like a warehouse district. And... Uh, these doors are garage doors are open. The music's so loud you can hear the music in the parking lot. You know these all these chicks. You know out work squatting in the parking lot. These biggest dudes I've ever seen in my life. Inside training and uh, he introduced me to the owner. This guy Brian and he said, Hey man, this is this kid I told you about. I wanted to do this competition at the end of the summer. Brian says, uh, You want to compete? I said, Yeah. I said, Man, but I don't have any money. I said I can't afford a membership. And granted, a membership back then was probably you know eighteen, nineteen dollars. Yeah. But I had no money and. Um, so uh, he goes, um, I said, man, I'll trade out with you. I'll clean the gym up, take the trash out, whatever. Just trade out, you know, for membership for the summer. He said, let me see what you look like. So I took my shirt off, hit a couple poses. He goes, I'll tell you what, kid. He said, you work out here all summer, represent the gym, and you win the contest, you don't got to pay. He said, if you lose, you're going to work it off. I said, fair enough. It's fair enough trade. 26 years later, I still ain't bought a membership. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, fuck uh, yeah, man. That's awesome. Thank you, Brian. So, uh, and Brian is uh, still at the same gym, and uh, I think my first contest I trained for there, I got to train with Ronnie Coleman. They got Mark, who was his workout partner, and of course, Brian trained us, and um, obviously, you know, I won that competition, and I'm still there. So, it's, uh, that's how it all started. Amazing. Awesome. So, you rubbed elbows with um, quite a few people through the years, especially in the fitness community, and even outside the fitness community. Um, who are some of the cooler people you've met and, and kind of interacted with that have maybe influenced you, but just kind of a cool experience? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, there's only been a couple of people in my life I actually wanted to meet. 
uh, you know, Chris Arnold being one of them. Mm -hmm. I had, had the opportunity to compete in his competition many times and won the Arnold Classic a couple times. And uh, so that was pretty cool to get to meet him. And, um, oh man, so many, uh, so many, you know, through body, everything I have in life, uh, I get a lot of seminars across the world. And uh, I always tell people, I said, everything I have in life, I want a bodybuilding because of the discipline and the hard work ethic it, it taught me. Um, it's enabled me to travel the world, meet people, you know, from the president of the United States to, to you know, movie stars, to singers, to athletes, to and uh, all across the world. So it's been um, been pretty impressive, man. I got to meet a king or two mm -hmm. overseas, and um, it's been um, it's been it's all been because of bodybuilding. People ask me about the president one a lot. You've never posted that picture, have you? Mm -mm. So never have. Sometimes you got to keep to yourself. Oh, that was one I was sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but. You know, people ask me that story all the time, and it's a funny one because, uh, you know, um, obviously, uh, you know, we share a friendship with, with, with Don Jr., and uh, we had the opportunity to go and meet the president. So it, it's funny. People ask, you know, how'd that go down? You know, like, what was that experience like? And I always tell people, I'm like, it's kind of funny. I'm like, we almost missed it. I'm like, we had a dart in the back. It was kind of like this, this surreal experience. Like, get in this green room. And it's Branch and I, and it's like, you know, Ruben from Vortex, and like, you know, Max is there, Max, Michelle, and a few of us, and we're like, you know, and they have this, this huge spread in this green room, and I'm laughing because all I can think about is, you know, I, I, and I'll be honest, I've, I said this to Branch, I never met a sitting president, and it's yeah. an honor always to meet a sitting president, and, uh, you know, especially someone that's on our side of the fence, you know, so we get in this green room, and I'm laughing because I'm, all I can think about is Forrest Gump, and what was there was all the sodas and everything, and I'm like... You know, remember I was like, hey, Max, go to get some food. Ah, oh, man, I don't want to eat. I'm like, but if you get some food, we can all get some food, you know, because he's like, you know, he's like the shooter. It's Almost cool. had me about 14 dollars. Yeah, was... and I'm just sitting there. It's like it was a surreal experience, and then we finally get in there, and uh, I thought what was really cool about that, I tell a lot of folks, is uh, we had the opportunity to get introduced to him, which was cool, which was a little bit different. It was very cool, and it was a very small, intimate setting. It wasn't like there was, you know, Probably about 30 of us, yeah, maybe yeah. 40 and, um, at most. It was a very cool an opportunity of a lifetime, like you said, to meet a sitting president. And um, this whole experience, I'll tell you, when I was, I was, it takes me about 50 minutes to an hour to get downtown Dallas from where I live, north of there. And um, it took me about two and a half, three hours to get down there. And I get down there, and I can't find a parking space. There's more cops and security than I've ever seen anywhere, ever. And um, I finally had to bribe this parking attendant 50 bucks to uh, let me park somewhere. When it wasn't even a parking space, I'm like, hey, dude, let me park right here. I go give you 50 bucks, and he's like, all right. And um, it's pouring down rain, so um, I jump out, run inside, and, uh, you know, we barely make it there. I'm afraid we're going to miss the whole thing. So uh, it was a cool opportunity, man. I, uh, I'm glad I got to experience that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things you, uh, you never forget. Yeah. I mean, you know, it stems into the next question I have that I think everybody would want to know. I want to know. Who do you look at, you know, you know, maybe it's on social media, maybe it's somebody you never met, maybe it's people you've met. Um, who inspires you? I mean, who do you look at and you're kind of like, you know, damn, I like how they do their, do the damn thing. You know, how, who, who inspires me? That's an easy question. Um, yeah, I've, I've traveled the world. on um, been a lot of military bases, doing things like that and, uh, for the troops. And um, there was a guy who works at the gym. He, uh, he's missing his leg, left leg at the knee. He's missing his right foot. Uh, one arm is missing and he's missing, I think the other arm he's missing from his elbow down. He's in there every day. He trains his ass off. He does everything we do. He finds a way to do it, and he makes it happen. And people ask me what inspires me, and um, that inspires me because I wake up in the morning, my back hurts, my knee hurts, or, or whatever, 
you know, like, gosh, dang it, man. Or I tore, you know, I tore my quad off the bone one time and had to have it reattached. Well, I still got a quad. I still got a leg. And now I'm like, I'm whining about my knee hurts. I'm like, this man has been blown apart. He still comes in here. He's the most positive, upbeat person I've ever met. And he works his ass off every day and improves. He doesn't just train. He makes improvements. He's getting, he gets stronger. He looks better. And um, he's never hurt him. He just finds a way. He doesn't complain. He doesn't cry. He don't really feel sorry for him. He just comes in and does it. And uh, that inspires me. Mm. I think that's really important to so have. Then this guy was a veteran. He, uh, you know, he served overseas and uh, obviously was wounded severely. But uh, instead of crying about it, feeling sorry mm. about it, he just found a way to overcome. To have that grounding <clears throat> in, in that, that the, the, some, you know, and I don't like to, I, I don't want to say like the, the little things, but just, you know, I know it's easy to say like, oh, you know, Ronnie expi- inspired me or this one or that one. But to see somebody that, you know, is without but still do mm-hmm. and still get it done, I think that that's... No, it just puts it in perspective. Puts you know, in uh, perspective. Puts in perspective, man. Uh, you know, someone like that and then their mental attitude and the outlook they have, and, um, it puts it all in perspective and uh, makes me appreciate and makes me realize how blessed I am. Before we get into the, some of the... Um, Different closing segments. Um, Sam, do you want to go over the contest and everything? Sure, yeah. Let's give one more plug for our awesome show sponsors as well, guys. Every episode here has been presented by and is supported by Kenzie's Optics, 221B Tactical, Mark Bell's Slingshot. It's a relationship that John uh, worked hard to get there. Bang Energy, obviously, keeping us fueled here every day at Falcor. Oh, God. <laughs> of course. Without them, my bank account would be lighter from buying energy drinks at the gas station every morning. Uh, Taurus USA, awesome revolver options for guys looking for good value there. And Chick-fil-A Kalispell keeping us fed. Um, we want that good cheat day. I might cheat days every day, but then again, you guys are a lot more strict with your diet than I am. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we are being given away a Falcor swag pack as well as a Taurus Raging Bull revolver. It's 454. It's a big boy. Uh, to enter out on that giveaway, head over to our iTunes app the iTunes page for Behind the Flame. Leave us a review, preferably five stars. We like, but, you know, assess the episode to your best ability. Uh, drop your IG handle in the description whenever you're leaving the review for us, and we will pick a winner this afternoon for that pistol. And uh, we hey, can, we can, can, can I enter to win the pistol, too? Sure. <laughs> I mean, no. I'm not going to pick you, but you can enter. You can leave us a review. And, and we need, you know, guys, we need the reviews on the podcast. It's super helpful to us, so every review is appreciated. There's a reason we're asking for it, yeah, folks. Um, we really appreciate it. So if you guys take a minute to head over there and leave a review, it's greatly appreciated. And also, if you're on the YouTube, please tap the like button and hit subscribe. And please take a minute. If you share it, if you share the YouTube or you share the, the, the podcast on iTunes, we appreciate that as well. It goes a long way. I'm trying to get us to about uh, 200 ratings on the podcast by the end of this episode. I'd greatly appreciate it. We're at 190. So to all my uh, guys on there, please take a minute to share and like and subscribe and send that out to your friends. I would appreciate it. If you're mad about the iTunes giveaway, Wait, Derek has a major announcement. Message John and talk to him about it. So the one that you guys are liking and subscribing to, that's the video feed on iTunes. We now have an audio-only feed on iTunes, and that's so we can set that audio feed to everything like Spotify, Stitcher, all kinds of uh, networks, Google, uh, Google Podcasts. So you guys check you, out yeah, BehindTheFlame.com. You can find all the different uh, methods of distribution for the show. So we definitely want to get that video feed to over 200, but we wouldn't discriminate. If you want to like that audio feed only, that also helps us out. We will look at both. There you go. Yeah. You know, going back to the question you said, who inspires me? Well, you know, that's somebody that inspires me. But as far as uh, from a bodybuilding standpoint, I didn't know if that was a, the angle you were taking. But, um, you know, early on, I think it was uh, Rich Gaspari. 
and uh, who I had an opportunity to work for, you know, later on in my career. And then uh, Dorian Yates was also a big, uh, big influence on me, you know, with his training technique. And both of those guys were the same. They were both hard trainers. They were old school, and uh, you know, they they trained in dungeons. And um, you know, I saw a lot of similarities between them, their training styles, and myself. And uh, they had big influences on me. Who in business? Uh, Ray Stern. Ray Stern was the most successful man I've ever known. He was a Dallas businessman. And um, he was, a, he was a, a pro wrestler back in the early, early, early days, and uh, like in the 40s, 50s, whenever it was. And uh, he, he came to fame. He wrestled a grizzly bear and beat it. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. And uh, yeah, they had, of course, you know, he didn't have claws. You know, it was declawed or whatever. But uh, this thing, this bear had wrestled, you know, like a thousand guys, never never lost, you know, because one slap and you're pretty much done. But, uh, <laughs> this Ray, is ridiculous. Yeah, he got in the ring, man, when he was a young man, and uh, he remember thinking, all right, what can I do? How can I get this thing down? Well, he spun around, swept, kicked it in the back of the legs, I'm, I think, and knocked it down, and it, when it fell on its back, it was so shocked, it just sat there, and he jumped on it and pinned it, and he won. And, uh, so that was, uh, that was Ray, though, man. And yeah. so he, he gave me, uh, I got the opportunity He's a big supporter of bodybuilding and a super successful man and, um, there in Dallas. And uh, he uh, gave me some of the best advice uh, I've ever, anybody's ever given me. And uh, I still adhere to that advice to this day. So a very super man, super intelligent man. And wise, uh, he passed away a few years ago, but uh, had a big influence on me in business. Sorry to hear that. And, um, you know, I think it's important to have these types of influences, and, and I've had them, you know, in business and in life, and, and have these people around you. And we talked a lot about circle in the other room and how important your circle is, especially when you're coming up. As you get more established and you develop a little bit of a skill set, you know, your circle will change and who you plug in. And, and I think some of the most overused statements are, you know, if you want to be a millionaire, hang with millionaires. If you want to be a billionaire, hang with billionaires. But I think if you put people around you that are putting positive messages out there and that are putting positive influences on you, I think that it can go for miles. And you preach a lot about you know, the importance of putting those, those positive people around you. And I think it's about understanding you know, where you are, where you want to be, and where you're going. Absolutely. And I've, given you, I've told you that same thing, I think, in conversations we've had. And that's some of the advice that Ray gave me um, when I was a young man. He said uh, he knew a lot more about me than I thought he knew. And he said... He said, if you want to be successful in bodybuilding, son, he said, you need to surround yourself with successful bodybuilders and people in the industry. He goes, same thing about business. If you want to be a successful businessman, you need to surround yourself with successful businessmen and um, get the negative people out of your life. And he goes, I know you're associating with some people, and this was many years ago. Um, he goes, they aren't successful. And he goes, they're negative influences on you. He goes, you need to walk away from them today. Mm. And um, that's, that's easier said than done, you know. And, um, you know, but I took it to heart. I remember I thought about it, and I respected this man so much. And because he lived what he preached, he wasn't, it wasn't do as I say, not as I do. It was, you know, look how I live. Yeah. He walked the walk and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm like, I respected him, you know, everything he, everything he'd done in life and accomplished. I'm like, I want to do that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I want that to be me one day. And so, um, the next day I got up and I changed my life. I walked away from some people and some relationships that I had and I uh, never walked back. And like I said, that's sometimes easier said than, than done. Oh yeah. But, uh, almost immediately my life turned around and, um, my bodybuilding career took off, um, opened my own business, and uh, it became successful, and I never looked back. So uh, he was a, the most, one of the most intelligent men I've ever known. And you lived through me some, doing some of that, and it's tough. It's not easy. 
It's not it an easy journey. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. I got a few rapid fire questions I want to get to. We also have some Instagram posts and, and we'll get to those. But um, I, want to, I want to rattle off, because I know you're a humble dude, some of these accomplishments, just so people can take this in before we get to that. Two-time Arnold Classic champion. If anyone's paying attention the last couple of years, the Arnold Classic's fast becoming almost the bigger show, the more paramount show. Yeah, Branch called it but, the second biggest. Yeah, easily the second biggest. Two-time. How many two-time winners are there? Uh, handful, right? A handful. There's, handful. I don't know. There's only been a, very many. Handful. AAU Teenage Mr. America, MPC Team Nationals Light Heavyweight and Overall Champion, MPC Nationals Heavyweight Champion, Charlotte Pro Champion, New York Pro Champion, Arnold Classic, British Grand Prix, Arnold Classic, Australian Grand Prix, and you got as high as Mr. Olympia, what? Runner-up. Runner-up? Yeah. A couple, a couple, couple ones? Times, yeah. A couple Some times. No, nah, there's a few more on there that uh, are on there. I got a few more victories than what's on there, but... Uh, that's Austin's fault for not including yeah. I mean, just... I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't commit them to memory. So. He's my friend, but that's, you know... Uh, it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, I got the opportunity to live my dream. Don't you know? say it's so. just stuff. Um... <laughs> No, you know, you just, um, I think I did, as a, I think I did in my career, I did 23 shows. I won almost half of them. So uh, in bodybuilding, it's a, that's a pretty high winning percentage. Not too many people do that. So um, in the history of the sport. So Mr. Olympia, I think there's been 14 men in almost 60 years, over 60 years win the title. So a pretty exclusive club. And Arnold Classic is somewhat like that. I, I forget the exact number of winners and it hadn't been around quite as long as Olympia but still a very exclusive club of men who uh, walked away with that title so I've been very blessed um, you know I was a I was 18 years old and um, actually when I won that show the Teenage Nationals um, Championship in 1993 um, you ever have a moment in life when you make a decision and you know you always remember that moment and uh, I got back from the it was in Raleigh Durham before the show was and I got back to Dallas and uh, I was driving to Metroflex on a Monday morning to go train. And um, I was at the time, I think, the first person from the gym to win a national title. And uh, I don't think anybody was even pro yet out of there. And um, I remember driving, I was like, man, I'm gonna be a pro bodybuilder. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. And I mapped out my whole career on that drive to Metroflex and I never forgot it and I stuck to it. And um, one by one, I slowly accomplished everything on the list. And um, I had no idea. When I turned pro, I thought, all right, man, if I can just make this last, you know, three or five years, mm. that'd be great. I had no idea that I would start in 2001 and, you know, compete all the way through 2016. So, uh, um, very blessed. Got to travel the world, make friends all over the world, meet people, and um, I'm still doing it. You know, I'm still very much involved in it. And I uh, just signed a, a deal with some guys in, with Wawan Protein over in the Middle East, and uh, you know, I've got a, uh, still uh, got all the fitness and shows, and still very much involved with the, with the sport that I love. So let's get to a couple rapid fire things that I think people will want cleared up. What's your favorite rifle? You better uh, give the right answer. Uh, let me think about it. Uh, Does it have to be a Falcor? Let's, all right, let's exclude Falcor. What's your favorite rifle? Other than Falcor. Other than Falcor? Winchester Model 70 Pre 64. Favorite caliber rifle? 
Favorite caliber rifle? Um, Come on, we're getting the trolls excited. Three, that's a tough one. I, I'll, yeah, like a, uh, Norma. I'm going to answer it for you. Yeah, 300 Norma. I knew it. Favorite handgun? Favorite handgun? That's that's a fucking tough one. You and I debate that every night. I'm not, my favorite handgun is a, is a 1911. All right. My favorite handgun I have is a, actually a Wilson Combat 1911. In 45? In 45. <laughs> but I'm not saying but anything. I don't think the gun I carry and the gun I shoot with is a Glock. Smart man. Favorite handgun caliber? My favorite handgun caliber? 357 Sig. That's such a politically safe answer. What a, what a hipster. I know. <laughs> I, I got to respect that, though. I would have given that answer, but I know the it's real right, answer. It's right here. I know the real answer. Yeah. Favorite part about the gun business? About the gun business? Yep. I think meeting the people you meet. You know, I've got to meet people um, like Tony and, you know, some uh, other people, um, veterans and stuff that, uh, you know, I would have never got to meet and form relationships with them. And, um, I think that's uh, definitely the favorite part about it. Worst part about the gun business? Dude, it's like a dick measuring contest every day with these guys. Some <laughs> of them. I'm like, you know, it's like we talked about that in the, in the green room. It's, uh, you know, I think with bodybuilding, there's a pecking order, you know, because, you know, you can talk all the smack you want to talk, but once you go to the show and uh, the placings are done, one, two, three, four, five, all the way down, then it is what it is. Everybody knows where they stand up. Um, with the gun business, I see a lot of these guys, everybody thinks they're the man. You know, it's a bunch of alpha males, just like it is with bodybuilding, but, you know, there's not really any way to put everybody in their place, so uh, I just shake my head sometimes. Did you hear that, ESPN? There needs to be a way to put everybody in their place. I've been preaching this for years. The gun industry needs a pecking order. Get a Coca-Cola involved or something. Um, so you've said so much. I mean, we've covered so... There's so many things we could talk about. Uh, I do want to ask, you know, one more question. Through the years, you deal with so much. So much comes at you, business opportunities, everything. How, what's your process for sifting through and figuring out you know, what direction you're going to go and what opportunities you're going to take? Um, do you reflect? Do you pray? Give the folks some advice out there, because I know I lean on you for this a lot. What is your process for kind of looking at all these different opportunities and things that come up, even coming out here? Is it just, hey, that's my friend, I'll go do it? I mean, what, is your, what, what gets you to where you are today and leave people with kind of a thought on how to handle opportunity and maybe lack of opportunity that comes to them? Um, first of all, does it make sense, you know, and does it, uh, is it something I would actually support? You know, I'm not going to, you know, when I was endorsed, if I endorse a product, I have to believe in that product. I'm not going to endorse something that I don't believe in, um, bottom line. Um, you know, I'll give an example. I had an opportunity to, uh, you know, legal marijuana. It's becoming a big thing. Mm, and, huge. Uh, I had an opportunity here a couple years ago to, you know, do something like that and um, out in Nevada. And, um, you know, I, looking back on it, I, I walked away from a lot of money, actually, because uh, it turned out to be really successful. But, you know, I'm thinking, I don't want my daughter smoking, you know. And um, I'm always preaching her, don't do drugs, this and that. So, but it's okay. But Daddy owns a company, and I sell it. And, but I don't want you doing it. That's uh, I couldn't live with that. And, uh, and I remember I actually called. I think I called talked to you about it. Talked to mm -hmm. Jason, and uh, I talked to my wife. And I was like, she goes, "What are you gonna do?" I said, "I'm not doing it." I said, "Because how am I gonna uh, justify telling my daughter, don't do this, but yet Daddy's over here doing this?" And I said, "Regardless of how much money it is." So uh, that's something um, you know, and I prayed about it. And um, at the end of the day, being able to look in the mirror in the morning and like the person who looks back at me is more important. 
I think no matter what it is, if you don't believe in it, you can't you can't yeah. get behind in it. And, and that doesn't mean you disagree with it. It just means you, it's not something you feel you can. Everyone's no. got their own personal. Yeah. And I said, I'm not. I ain't judging yeah. nobody about it or whatever. Um, you know, some of my best friends smoke or whatever, and that's their decision. But for me, it's just not right for me. And you know, I want my young daughter experimenting with this stuff. So um, she's too young. And um, so you know, I think um, the process I go through is: all right, do I believe in it? Is it a quality product or is it a quality business, something I want to get behind and support? And, uh, you know, I pray about it and uh, I always talk to my wife, you know, before I make any, uh, any major decisions. So with Wicked Cuts, you know, it's something I believe in. It's beef jerky. I love it. Um, you know, very much uh, I developed the products along with my partner and uh, something I can stand behind. I eat it myself and um, I'm proud of it. And so it's, uh, that was an easy decision. I mean, I feel like your passion shows through for it too, honestly. Just yeah. observing from the outside, I'm not as involved in it or, or as knowledgeable about it as John is, and just seeing what you built there and how new it is, and well, and how big, how much has grown since you started. You can tell that you are passionate about it, and, and that that shows through with anything that you do. It really is something that I admire, and, I th- and I'm not trying to, you know, <coughs> excuse me, ruffle any or fluff you up or anything like that. But I'm just saying, it, it it stands out, and you notice it. There's an intangible quality there. You see that, that you. The ownership really cares about what they built. Absolutely. I mean, if you believe in something and uh, you put your heart and soul into it, then you're going to be passionate about it. Mm. So I think that's definitely, uh, no matter what I've done over the years, business-wise, that's something I've had to, uh, I'm very passionate dude. So if I don't believe in it, I'm not passionate about it, I'm not going to do it. I think it goes without saying that passion is going to lead to fire, and fire is going to sometimes burn people to ruffle feathers. And if you're passionate and you have that fire in your belly, I know Jason and I go at it sometimes like cats and dogs because we're passionate about certain things. And I think that, you know, when you have that passion, as long as it's directed properly, good things can come. Um, as we get close to wrapping, and, and we'll see if Jason has any thoughts he wants to add in, because he scurried into the room. He, he slid in here. Um, you know, I know you're a big uh, uh, political guy, and, and, and you always analyze what's going on in the world. Uh, how do you feel about this country, and how do you feel about the direction it's going in? Uh, I think it's the most divided I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, is it going the right direction? Yeah, I think the economy is the best I've ever seen. Um, I can't say anything really. I think the economy is great. Um, you know, is it going the right direction? I think so. But uh, there's a lot of political division, a lot of, uh, a lot of, and it's not a good thing. You know, it's, I think uh, you shouldn't get angry at somebody just because they have a different political view. Mm. You know, uh, you should be able to sit there and respect someone else because they have a different view and just agree to disagree. You know, but we're starting to see people get crazy, man. And we talk, yeah, we so. talk a lot about that agreeing to disagree, and I think we see it a lot with, um, you know, we were talking about it in there, you know, with the people that hide behind the accounts, things like that. Uh, it's tough out there with social media and so many different avenues, and you talk about boards and discussion groups and chat rooms and things like that. Um, you know, I think, I, I think, and Frank asked what, what we think is dividing it. I think what divides it is people can't have an educated conversation. We can't have a civil conversation. You know, if um, you don't think like, you know, you get two people have different into the political spectrum and um, they, dis- they, they demonize each other because they have different views. When in reality, these two people probably have more in common than they do apart, but uh, because of, you know, they can't get past their own political views and accept that somebody else just has a different view or different opinion, you know, then they, uh, it turns into shouting matches and insults and calling people names and Nazis and racists. It's and ugly this and that it's just uh, you know it's not a good thing for the country um i know you and jason and mel and trish got the opportunity to, to travel a little bit together and spend some time uh 
over in Europe, and now you're you're back. And I know you were getting nice and fat over there, and now you're you're dieting. You're getting in shape. Um, any cool stories from that trip? Anything you guys want to want to weigh in on? Give us a give us a little snapshot of traveling together. Well, uh, let me see. I gained twenty pounds and <laughs> <laughs> on cheese, pure cheese. Hey, that's the first time I, me and Trish aren't going on vacation, and I travel all the time. Like all the time, every week, I'm somewhere in the world, and um, Trish doesn't. She used to with me, but since we have children or have faith, um, she stays home. And so I usually just want to stay home. Trish wants to go out and see, do stuff. So, um, you know, Jason Linda said, Hey, let's go on a trip. And I said, oh, That sounds fun. Because you're a selfish bodybuilder. And, uh, absolutely. And, um, <laughs> but uh, so they said, Where do you want to go? And uh, Trish has always wanted to go to Italy. And I think that's uh, the only place left that she hasn't been besides Israel that she wanted to go to. So I said, What about Italy? And, they were like, all right, let's go. So we planned, actually, Melinda planned the trip out. And uh, we met up in Rome. And uh, Why don't you talk about that experience we had when we uh, decided to go to the gym one night? <laughs> I, think the, I think the viewers would be very impressed to hear the facility we went to and the hardcore training we did that day. All right, so we're in Rome. And, uh, you know, me and Jason, Jason goes, you're going to train? I said, yeah, I definitely want to train tonight. So we're in Rome. And I'm like, all right. I said, he goes, you don't find a gym or me find a gym? I'm like, I'll find a gym. You know, I travel all the time. I always, I'm good at finding, you know, good, good gyms. So I Google, you know, hardcore bodybuilding gyms in Rome. You know, top 10 gyms pop up. I'm looking. Well, there's one that's like, you know, 0.4 miles away or something. I'm like, that's our place. And I'm looking at the pictures of it. You know, it looks like a, it looks like a dungeon. I'm like, all right, that's my kind of place. Let's go. And um, so Trish comes with us, and uh, Melinda didn't come. And uh, we all pile on this little taxi. We drive, and it's like, our hotel's in a nice area. We go just a couple blocks, and it turned into, like, a not-so-looking, not-so-nice area. And he pulls up in this little alleyway. Of course, these alleyways were, you know, I think made for horse and carts back in the day, not cars. And um, he goes, it's down that way. And I go, well, drive down that way. He's like, no. <laughs> and Jason's like, damn, man, the taxi driver won't even go down there. I go, come on, let's just go. So we're walking down this alleyway, you know, rats and trash and stuff. And um, I see a sign. It's, you know, gym. I'm like, all right, there we go. This is going to be good. Because, you know, some of the best gyms, Metroflex, for example, is in a bad bad area. And Dorian Yates' Temple Gym in Birmingham, same kind of thing, dark alleyway. And um, we walk in. The guy sees us. And the first thing he says, he goes, hey, you guys ain't going to like this place. And I'm like, well, can we look around? He goes, yeah, go ahead and look around. This was the worst gym I've ever been to in my 26 years of working out. I'm like, it was so bad. Hands down, the worst it, it was horrible, man. I mean, it was like a maze of rooms where they have like one or two pieces of equipment in it. And um, like we try to do uh, the Smith Machine bench press. Well, Jason is like, what are you, 6'5"? <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't, he couldn't, it was like bolted to the floor and you could only face the wall. He had to put his feet like up on the wall above him because he's so tall because there wasn't enough room to do the machine. <laughs> and we, we went in to do dumbbells and like they had like almost no weights. And there was already two guys in there. We had to wait for one of these dudes to get out so we'd have enough room to get in to the room to do, to do the wait. And, uh, and then we had this guy, Mr. Stinky, that, um, <laughs> like, this, this, bro, this brother hadn't took a bath in, like, months. And um, it looked like you see that thing uh, off the peanuts. Pig dude, pen. Pig pen that has a cloud following him. <laughs> that was this dude, man. Here he would come, and it's like, time to evacuate and <laughs> go to another part of the gym. And uh, it was horrible, man. And uh, we laugh about it now, but... Uh, you know, he's like, you're there, so you just make the best of it. And right, we had a we had a great time in there. Actually, you know, 
I was sore the next day. So. Yeah, you know, weight weight is weight. 100 pounds weighs the same in Montana as it does in Rome or Texas or wherever. 100 pounds is 100 pounds. So, um, you know, you can actually, uh, as long as you have something, you can usually uh, get a workout in. So we actually, uh, it turned out being okay. We just right. worked around it, did what we did, but it, it was pretty funny. I wondered how Jason was going to handle that trip because his attention deficit disorder would run wild on him, not getting his workouts in, not having his proper meals, but he... Uh, there was no healthy eating. None. I think I ate ice cream every night, pasta three or four squares a day. I was sick of pasta when it was over. We had pasta every meal except for breakfast, I think. Right. Yeah, it was pasta pretty much, which was okay, but after 10, 12 days of it, yeah, we were all blimped out. You, yeah, you, I was you. I was bloated. I was about twenty pounds heavier. <laughs> you know, I I couldn't even take my wedding band off. You know, I, it was just it was a great time though. I, I encourage anyone that uh, hasn't been to Italy to go visit there, especially yeah. with a cool couple like Branch and Trish. Uh, I consider them uh, very close friends. Um, one thing about Branch is uh, he's real. Uh, you're very real. You know, you don't beat around the bush here. There's no gray area with you, which I can appreciate. Uh, it's not always the answer you want to hear. It's not always uh, fluffed up and said politically correct, but it, it's, it's real, and that's what I like. Um, I hear people tell me all day long what I want to hear. I need people to tell me things I don't want to hear. So, um, and that's how, how I surround myself kind of like what you do is with people that are going to be real and tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, you know, you're a, a you know, a, a world-renowned bodybuilder, so, you know, I've always been fascinated how you handle the, the success, how you handle people constantly coming up to you wanting autographs. And I got to tell you, even in Italy, you take the time to talk to the kids, the, the athletes, and sign every autograph. You take pictures with anybody that comes up to you, which says a lot about someone. You know, so I knew you plenty of time ahead of this trip, but it really sunk home when I was just watching how you handled yourself. And the same with Trish. You know, I, I know who runs the house around there. I think you do, but at the end of that trip, I... Shh, I, I don't yeah, tell no, you can I'll, say the same about Melinda with me. So, uh, Melinda's like the, no, nah, she's not the boss. She's the general. That's <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> no, I uh, thank you for saying that. Jeff. I appreciate that, man. And uh, I feel the same way about you. And um, it, uh, and I'll tell you a story. I was telling the guys in the green room earlier, you know, because somebody said, you know, man, I guess when they're in Houston, they said, man, you stop and talk to everybody, take pictures with everybody. You never, never too busy for anybody. And uh, I said, well, let me tell you a story about that. I, uh, I was a teenager. And uh, they had a pro show down in Houston. I was 19, and uh, they uh, wanted to go to the show because there was a bodybuilder there that you know I'd seen in the magazine, seen on TV, and I wanted to meet him. You know, so like, I never, I'd never ask at that point in my life, I'd never ask anybody about a, for an autograph or a, a picture in my life. And so um, I talked to Ronnie Coleman, and um, he, uh, I said, hey, can you give me some tickets to the show? Because you know, pro show tickets were expensive, and we, we didn't have the money. So uh, he said, yeah, I'll get you a couple tickets. And so I think. I think, um, I think Brian uh, got us, when Ronnie, they got us some tickets. So me and my buddy, I said, hey, man, I'll drive down. I'll buy the gas down. You buy the gas on the way back. And it's about a four-hour drive from Dallas down to Houston. And um, so we'll go down and watch the show and I'll drive back that night. He's like, all right, cool. We drive down there, watch the show, and 
after the show, we see this guy, you know, that I idolized and looked up to. Walked up to him and I said, hey man, can I get a picture with you? And that's back when, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then and iPhones and all that. We had a little wind up, you know, box camera thing. So um, he's like, nah, I can't, I ain't got time, I ain't got time for that. I'm like, dude, you, I just want to take a picture with you, man, you know? And he's just a total asshole, basically. And um, it didn't end well, bad experience. Wouldn't take a picture with me. And so we're driving back home that night and uh, me and my friend talking. I'm like, man, I go, you know, if somebody came up to me and want to take a picture with me, I said, that would humble me. I'm like, wow, man, this, somebody wants to actually take a picture of me and get my autograph. I'm like, to me, I'm thinking, that would be, that would humble me a lot. And, um, and my friend's like, you know, forget that guy, whatever. And if we go back to the gym, everybody asks us how it was. I go, man, dude was an asshole. Wouldn't even take a picture with us. Wouldn't talk to us. Wouldn't get an autograph, nothing. And uh, so everybody in that gym that used to look up to that guy, now everybody in that gym was like, they wouldn't, they didn't want to buy his products he endorsed. They wouldn't, you know, mm. they weren't fans no more. So he lost a whole gym full of people because of the way he treated us. Well, fast forward a few years, I turned pro. And one of my very first pro competitions, I competed against this guy, and um, I beat him. So after the show, I walked up to him backstage. I said, hey, man, you probably don't remember this, but a few years back in Houston, there was a couple of kids that wanted to take a picture with you, and I said, you wouldn't uh, take a picture with us, bro? And I said, that was me. And I said, you never know who that kid is you're talking to, bro. And I walked off. And, uh, you know, of course, it, you know, it did feel good because that little kitty punch you get him, you know. I got, got him back, but um, I remember telling myself, you never know who that kid is you're talking to or that person, and they don't know. I mean, you may be having a horrible day. You might have just got into an argument with your wife or, you know, crashed your car the day before. Or they don't. Who knows what might happen? You might be just having a terrible day in a bad mood. It happens to all of us, but that person coming up to you, they don't know that. They just say, oh, man, that's a guy that I've seen in the magazine, seen on TV, seen in the movie, whatever, and um, they just want to meet you. You know, take a picture with you, say hello. And so how hard is it to really put a smile on your face, shake their hand, you know, talk to them for a moment, take a picture, and then go on? And then that person's going to go and tell everyone of their friends, hey, man, that guy was cool, man. I walked up to him, he was talking to me, blah, 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 and you've got a fan for life. Right. And um, that's the difference. You know, that little incident probably went a long ways with you. And uh, I would say it, it's no different in business. You know, you never know who you're talking to. Well, it's still, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And, um, you know, just like in Italy, you know, it still amazes me that, you know, we're someplace in Florence or, you know, Pisa or wherever it was. We were in different places we went, and people would come up and want to take a picture. It just humbles me because I'm like, wow, you know, I'm in a country, a place I've never been before in my life, and people know who you are, and they want to just meet you. So it's very humbling, and I'm very appreciative of that. So, uh, you know, without, without them and people like that, I wouldn't get to do what I do. So. And just think about business. So many people come up and talk business. You don't know who you're talking to. That you is very true. I've had that exact thing happen a couple times in my life. And uh, here recently, it's, uh, it's come back. I didn't know who they were. And, um, you know, but you always just try to treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And it came back full circle for me. So uh, right. that's a golden rule. Do unto, do unto others as you want done unto you. Right. So well, I'll tell you what, Branch, I appreciate. And everybody here... Falcor appreciates all that you do for us behind the scenes, coming all the way up here to Kalispell, Montana, you know, talking to us, sharing your stories. It, it means a lot. And, and, you know, a guy like yourself could go anywhere. You could, you could, you could be a brand ambassador, part of a brand anywhere. And it's, a, it's an honor to have you here uh, representing us and uh, helping us. So many well, thanks. I thank you. Thank you very much for letting me represent you. And uh, guys are a great company, have a great product. And, uh, I'm looking forward to getting my butt kicked climbing in the mountains this weekend trying to you will. hunt a mule deer. So uh, it's going to be good. 
I, th I think it goes without saying, um, you know, as we wrap, because we're getting long here, uh, that Jason and I, you know, Branch sometimes is in the middle of, you know, and Jason said he spits the truth. And it's, you know, a lot of times we'll bounce things off of him inadvertently. You know, I'll say, you know, Branch, what do you think of this? And he'll, he'll say 100% what the truth is. You know, he'll say it. And I, th I know he does the same back to Jason, and that's that's a really cool feature. It's great to have, I, you know, in, in the Italian culture, you, you call it a consigliere. It's great to have that that type of person, you know, involved and kind of be around the building. He'll he'll tell you if he likes something. If you don't like it, if he does feel passionately about something, the answer you'll get back is 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent, no doubt, 100 uh, no percent. We, we had a good conversation in the truck yesterday driving back from Missoula. 100%. 100%. <laughs> We're not going to get into the conversation. But uh, before we get to shameless plugs and, and everything else, uh, in closing remarks from Sam, where can people find you, Branch? What are the links and what is everything else? You go to The Branch Warren and uh, on Facebook and Instagram. That's my social media pages. Uh, TheBranchWarren.com is uh, my website. And, uh, and of course, if you want the best beef jerky ever, go to WickedCuts.co. Got it right here. We're gonna pull up on the screen, show folks where they can go. Right there. Right there, and then also uh, Gasp official Gasp, and uh, for my clothing line and Gasp products, and then of course Black Skull USA for my nutritional supplement line. If anyone wants to reach out to you, this is this is a common one. Is the best way to to hit send an email on IG stuff like that. If if anyone's soliciting, if you, if you want to reach out to me, uh, direct message me on Instagram. And uh, that's the best way to get to bed. Don't, uh, don't be a weirdo. Yeah, no weird stuff. Yeah, we if you have a legitimate inquiry, reach we do, out. We don't, we don't do weird. Um, before we get to Sam's closing <laughs> remarks, I want to um, take a minute similar to Jason, and, and it goes without saying thank you for coming out. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, I think it goes without saying I wouldn't be here without your help, your influence, your guidance. Uh, and by here, I mean where I am. The last couple of years, you've helped me mature tenfold in the way I look at things, the way I analyze a situation, your insight, what you've given me, and, and, and just even uh, being, you know, we talked about what a real friend is in the other room and being a friend. And uh, I know that's not something you throw around lightly. Um, you know, uh, you're a couple of years older than me, and I think that maturity and the things that you've been through in your journey have helped me kind of understand my journey and where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do. And uh, whatever happens from here, you'll always be a big part of that and you'll always influence me. And I, and, you know, I know I say this um, a lot. I, I can't you know, thank you enough for your friendship and, and your help and your mentoring and, and all that. You've been like a little bit of a, an older brother to me in many ways. And, and there's probably not a major decision I don't make without bouncing it off of you. You're welcome. Yeah, and, uh, it. That goes both ways. Thanks for being a friend of me, and uh, so uh, got a lot of good things in front of us. So uh, you've done come a long way in the f past few years. So uh, you're still not, the journey's still uh, still not at the end of the road. Still got a lot of journey to go. So uh, have fun with it, man. Trying. So. so you know, just like me, I've I've got to live, uh, follow my passion, and make a living doing what I love doing. And you're doing the same. You know, you I don't know anybody like I told Jason, anybody that's more passionate about the 2A community than you are. So and you're you're doing what you love doing. So uh, I like that when I, I can see people that have a passion in life, and they get to live that that passion and make a living doing it. So uh, that's a that in itself is being blessed. Amen. And I think um, 
without folks like you, Tony, and certain folks that have influenced me along the way. I, you know, I like everybody to know that um, it's important to me what goes out there, and it doesn't go out there without proper refinement and you know review and kind of taking a moment to reflect and, and talk to folks. So I appreciate it, and I can't thank you enough, and thank you for coming out. So we'll get to Sam. We'll get to closing remarks and uh, pick a winner on this uh, badass giveaway, that 454. All right, guys. So we're get giving on. away a, a Raging Bull 454 Casul. Yep. Mm -hmm. well, that's cool, Taurus man. USA, some Falcor swag, maybe some Wicked Cuts jerky. Well, we can give away some Wicked Cuts. All right. All right. We'll toss yeah. it in some, we'll toss it in some meat. All right. All right, guys, we want to thank Branch so much for coming out. He's, he's a staple here at Falcor now, and we appreciate it every single time. Uh, we're going to give a shout-out to our sponsors for the show, Kenzie's Optics, your go-to source online for any sort of optical device or accessory you need to strap to your gun to make it better. Check them out, so you'll be able to see the website right there. We've got 221B Tactical and Suresh Madhaven, a good friend of Falcor, makes some awesome products for both the armed citizen and the law enforcement officer. Make some seasonal stuff out there. Uh, base layers and such. We've been taking a look at that stuff around here. It's awesome. Uh, Mark Bell Slingshot. Awesome gear there for working out. That's not my strong suit. John can speak more to the Mark Bell stuff. But big fan of Falcor. Big support of the 2A community. So definitely check them out if you need some gear for the gym. Bang Energy keeping us fueled here at Falcor. The Rainbow Unicorn flavor is their newest offering. So definitely check that out. Uh, gas stations around here in the Flathead Valley are starting to carry. Bang Energy, much to mine. And Haley J Photos Delight. <laughs> She's smiling there in the background. You can see her. She's right there. <laughs> Taurus USA donating the 454 Casul Raging Bull model revolver to the giveaway today. Thanks to those guys and, and, and for making that stuff. I know that some folks might not uh, have a lot of love for Taurus, but we've, uh, we can appreciate everything they're doing over there, and they've been good friends to us here at Falcor, so we definitely thank them for supporting us. And, of course, Chick-fil-A Kalispell. Give them a follow on Instagram right there. It's the only Chick-fil-A in the entire state of Montana. The ownership over there is great. Everyone that works there, of course, uh, at Chick-fil-A has been phenomenal. We are doing the giveaway, like Branch said, right before we're going. That is the Taurus 454 Raging Bull Revolver of Falcor Swag Pack and some Wicked Cuts Jerky. To enter that giveaway, head over to the iTunes podcast app, either the video or the audio-only feed of Behind the Flame. Leave us a review, like I said, preferably five stars, and make sure you drop your Instagram handle in the review itself. And uh, Austin and I will pick a winner this afternoon. Tomorrow, we got another episode live. We're having Noah Alkenberg, co-founder of Wiseman Company, uh, is going to be with us. He's going to be around the shop today seeing how we run things and, that, and what we do, and we're going to have him on the show tomorrow. So look forward to that. Um, thanks a lot for watching us today on Behind the Flame, folks. We'll catch you next time.